Amen. Okay. We doing right? Isn't it great to worship? I don't feel a little bit kind of, I don't know, cleaner, kind of stronger, a bit more hopeful. Is it just me? I doubt it. Okay, so we're on part four of a series looking at what it means for a Christian to be wise in the 21st century. In the age of information overload, with knowledge increasing exponentially, the gender shouting loud and strong and brash. What does it mean to be wise? Six weeks, I think we've got, there's nowhere we can cover all the issues or look at every angle or dissect every nuance. We can start to build a foundation. What, what does God in his word say about wisdom? About how it works, about where we get it from. So the plan is, is to look at a handful of key proverbs that point us clearly in the right direction. So here's, here's our proverb for today. And it's Proverbs chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 20, four short verses. And it says this, my child, give me a wave. So that means me. Give them a nudge. That means you. Give me a wave, Jamie. That means even you. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. This is God, the God of wisdom speaking. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. And verse 23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Then about you, I've always been drawn to this little passage here. It expresses in, in a powerful way the life-giving and penetrating and healing qualities of the Word of God. Word of God that is the bread of life, that, that is the heartbeat of heaven, that is wisdom for the ages. It also makes crystal clear the imperative of taking God at his word. What does it say? My child, pay attention. It says, my child, listen carefully. Don't lose sight. Let them penetrate deep. Why? For they bring life and health and healing, body, soul, and spirit. We're going to come back to verse 20, uh, 20, 21, 22 in just a minute. But then he goes on, verse 23, to say, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's a pretty strong statement right there. It's not going to be how your circumstances turn out. It's not going to be the luck that you get on the way. It's not going to be whether you ever get to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. 
It's not going to be how gifted or how rich or how popular you are. The course of your life is going to be determined by how vigilantly you guard your heart. The ESV says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the issues of life. Picture being hated, painted here is comparing your heart to a well. The message is watch over that well with all you've got. Don't let any dirt or garbage or poison get in. We need that water to be pure and to be fresh and to be life-giving because it is absolutely key to your health and your well-being and your fruitfulness. Picture on the screen coming up now, Neil, I think if that's okay. In, in Old Testament culture, in fact, in much of the world, even today, the village well was the center of life. It was the center of community. It was the center of activity. Especially it was the center of health. And a village that could provide good and clean and refreshing water in a hot, dry, desert climate would be a strong, healthy community. The crucial reality that in a literal sense, life emanates from a healthy wellspring. So here's the point. Your heart is supposed to be a wellspring of life, joy and peace of stability and strength, faith, of encouragement, of love and grace. And, and if your heart is full of those things, the issue will be sweet. It'll be positive. It'll be healthy. It'll be blessing. The flip to that, of course, is, is if we allow poison to get in there. Impurity, Pollution, sin, whether that be strife or offence or bitterness or gossip or anger or impatience or fear or frustration. If any of that stuff gets into our heart, gets into our well, the issue will be bitter. It will be impure. It will be poisonous. It will be destructive. And hence we have Proverbs 4.23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart. This is top priority. To do whatever it takes. Guard it and keep it and protect it and defend it with all vigilance against all else. ESV, for from it flow springs of life. New Living Translation, for that determines the course of your life. I reckon those are some big old claims. And this is serious enough for us to take a close and careful look this morning. I want just to pause a second for a story. So, as many of you know, I lived in Canada for six and a half years. And in Canada... 
Um, if you live outside the town boundaries, the city boundaries, then, then water is generally provided to your residence by means of a well and an exit into a septic tank. In other words, the way they express it is, is you have no city water. City water is when it gets, you know, piped in from the, from the mains, right? And I worked at a church called Christian Victory Church, and it was right on the edge of the city boundaries. And so, of course, we had a, a water well that serviced the church. And one of my jobs periodically was to take a water sample and to run it to a lab in the next town, which was called Lakefield, beautiful place, uh, where they would test those that the water sample let us know how healthy it was. And all was well and good until one day, the test came back negative. Test came back, failed. You know, there was bacteria that had got into our well. Well, do you know what that meant? Besides alarm bells, it meant that we had to shock the well, which means we had to pour great big quantities of a chlorine disinfectant to try and clear up all the bacteria that had got in there. It meant that we had to place toxic signs over our water. And we had a school, actually, in the church. And it meant, of course, that we had to increase greatly the frequency with which we tested that water to make sure it was okay. We also had to repair the well to stop germs from getting in. And actually, we had to put in a UV filtration system to kill off those germs, which, as you can imagine, was pretty expensive. So the moral of the story is this. Just as at Christian Victory Church, we had to keep watch over our well. So we, as believers, have to guard our hearts. We have to protect our well with all we've got. If we do, the output will be pure, healthy, life-giving. You'll be blessed. They'll be blessed. Everyone will be blessed. But if we don't, well, I suspect you've got the picture by now. So, how do you guard your heart? Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean putting up all sorts of walls and barriers. It doesn't mean shutting yourself down and shutting yourself off. Our human nature defense mechanisms kicking in, going into retreat, going into hide, going into hedgehog mode. It doesn't mean that. What it means in light of Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 is it means there must be a strong filter that guards and keeps your heart. Listen to this, Mark 7, 15. This is Jesus' teaching. He said, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. So in that religious Jewish paradigm, where people were paranoid about being defiled by the, the dirty things that you physically touched. Jesus taught, it's the things that, that take root. 
It's the things that grow. It's the things that fester inside that defile you. And the way those external things defile you is by getting past your filters and into your innermost being. Becoming part of and slowly corrupting you. And that, folks, is why you have to guard. Here's the key. Verse 20 through 22. The word of God is that God. Everything we hear or read or think or discuss must pass through the filter of God's word. Is it true? Is it right? Is it godly and holy? Should it be accept or reject when it hits your filter? Is it wisdom or foolishness? Is it from above or is it from below? Is it nourishment or is it poison? And so when you are discerning wisdom in the 21st century, it must pass through the filter of God's word. So if last week the fear of the Lord is the foundation, then this week is the word of God is the filter. A couple of familiar verses. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, every argument, every pretension, every agenda, all the propaganda must pass through the filter of the word of God. It must be made obedient to Christ. If the fear of the Lord is the foundation, then the word of God is the filter. Another well-known verse, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and in your head you can be thinking about what well, the opposites of each of these are. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So, so in, in practical terms, there are certain word filters that, that any information or, or knowledge or, or any opinion should pass through as you discern whether or not it's wisdom. Whatever you're reading or, or thinking or watching, whatever that theory is promoting or that agenda is pushing, it must first pass through word filters. And I thought of the best way of kind of explaining this to you, and I, I've got a few possible word filters, some examples that is reasonably random. There's no particular order here. But these are some of the word filters that, that those those opinions, that information, that knowledge should pass through as we discern whether to receive it as wisdom or to reject it as foolishness. Okay, lots of verses I could have chosen, 
you'll think of your own, but here's some. Ephesians 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. And all the parents will love this one. This one you know. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. What are the opposites of obey and honor? The answer, poison. And if what you are considering, if what you are being advised, disobeys or dishonors your parents, as it hits this word filter, foolishness. Another one, Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. This is not Exodus. This is Romans. The point is, godly submission is wise. Rebellious attitudes are not. That's a matter of principle. Here's another one, Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. But in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Run that with Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Then Peter, being super, super, super holy, said, seven times, Lord, look at me, how holy am I? Verse 22, no, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Here's the wisdom. Don't let a critical spirit or offense and unforgiveness into your heart. They're poison. And they will turn your well water bitter. Three more. Self-expansion, I think. Proverbs 3, verse 9, 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruit of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. How do I steward my money? That's the question. No debate. That, that provides a clear scriptural filter. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. How do I prioritize? Very simple. Here's the wisdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Last one, 1 Corinthians 6, 18. I think I covered this last week. Flee from sexual immorality. Folks, this is not a complicated message. Run, Forrest. Queer, a clear, unequivocal, unambiguous filter. That's there for your protection. So, putting all that together, at the moment of decision or of discerning whether or not something is wise, run it through the filter of God's word. And each of those many passages that I've just read give us pretty clear lines. Those filters are not ambiguous. The moral of the story is if it directly contradicts the imperative of Scripture, then reject it. Guard your heart. Dismiss it. 
disqualify it. Simply do not let it through the filter or pass the guard. Okay. The word of God is a filter to everything. I'm sure that everyone would be happy with that statement. All the Bible-believing Christians in this room, no one's going to take issue with that. It's a great principle. It's a stake in the ground. The flesh not, might not like it at all times, but we know that the principle is true. So, what are the problems? Well, what are the challenges that arise? What are the risks that we face? Really, really quickly. Number one, when that filter starts to slip, we forget it when crunch comes. Or over time, it gradually sort of drifts out of view. Challenge risk number two is, is we just don't know the word. We don't know what it says. We don't understand the principles. In other words, our filter is faulty. And then the third one is if holes start appearing in your filter membrane. You know how a filter works, right? The definition of a filter is, uh, there's a couple of pictures here. Now if you can whip, whip, whip those up, great. Uh, uh, the definition of filter is a physical barrier that can block or trap debris, stopping it from passing through. But the problem is, if, if that filter membrane has flaws, or it tears or fissures, then that debris starts sneaking through. As we've discussed throughout this course, we have a lying, prowling, masquerading enemy, and he's attempting to break holes in your filter. And so the danger comes when the filters we put over our heart and the filters we put over our mind to keep and to guard, they start to get holy. That's holy with an E in it. They start to weaken. They start to, to break down. And we start to compromise. We start to make exceptions. We start to tolerate. Next thing we know, we have corruption, we have error, we have deception sneaking into our thinking, into our language, into our humor, into our opinions, into our conversations. The good news is that in verses 20, 21, and 22, tells us very clearly in great detail how to keep that filter strong and that filter intact. It also tells us what we should do if the water in our well gets defiled, like we had over there at Christian Victory Church in Peterborough, Ontario. You know, unfortunately, I think it's a controversial statement but through the ups and downs of life, sometimes a little poison seeps in. In fact, some of you listening to this day might be wondering if it's too late for your heart, your well. If some of life's grot, you know, the pain and the hurt, unforgiveness, the stress, the anger, the fear, just might have sneaked past your defenses. In which case, here comes the good news. Here comes timely grace for your weary soul. Here comes the shock treatment. 
It comes the spiritual chlorine disinfectant. It comes how you repair the fabric of your well. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. The answer is, you've got to get the word in deep. Deep enough to really make a difference. So, so deep that nothing or no one or nobody can dig it out. So deep that it instantly recognizes and disqualifies any of those feisty lingering lies. We need to get it so deep that it successfully reprograms any faulty, unrenewed thinking. We need to get it so deep that it is able to apply the Father's healing balm to those deep hidden hurts. We need to get it so deep that nothing false or impure or distracting or ungodly or foolish can penetrate that secure filter. My children, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to the whole body. Pay attention. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight. Let them penetrate. The biblical word is the word meditate. It means to ponder deeply. It means to reflect. Reflect prayerfully. It means to study diligently. To meditate is to mull and to ruminate and to dig for treasure till you've got it. Or perhaps better stated, until it's got you. And that's really what Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 is all about. Meditating the word until it gets so deep inside you that it transforms you. And so it provides such a strong filter over your thoughts and over your mind that nothing can get in and nothing can penetrate. The picture that's often used for, for, for meditating is, is the idea of chewing the cud. Not a particularly wholesome, imaginary thing. But anyway, the idea that, that cows and, and deer and sheep and camels and giraffes, apparently, they, they, chew, they chew that grass. Then they regurgitate it, called cud, that substance. Then they chew it some more, and then they chew it some more, and they send that cud through, through its four stomach compartments. Lucky them. When they get a tummy ache, they get it four times. It goes through those, those four stomach compartments in that picture there until it's extracted all the available nutrients. I love what Mark Batson says. The Bible is, not, is meant not just to be read, but meditated. To read without meditating is like eating without chewing. And you don't get the nutrients. It's a par parallel verse that I'm sure you're familiar with. Joshua 1 verse 8. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So that you be careful to do everything written in it then you'll be prosperous and successful. So, looking at verses 20 through 22, I just want to give you a, a few quick tips, some, some fresh ideas perhaps to help you chew the cud, 
help you meditate this word until it gets so deep inside of you that nothing can get it out. We'll do that, and then we'll wrap up. I hope, hope these are simple. I hope these are practical. I hope you'll find them helpful really quickly. Number one, highlighting. Color your favorite Bible. I love to do this. I'm on my, I think, I'm not sure it's my fifth or my sixth here, working my way through it. You know, highlighting, annotating, underlining. In short, you get to make your Bible look pretty. You know, the key verses, the key words, the key phrases, really anything that jumps out, anything that's calling to you as you read, or anything that seems really important to you at the time, just highlight it. I have a key. The key for me is I have one color orange, is, is kind of general or of note. And then I use yellow for commands. I use green for prayer. I use pink for kind of promises and prophecy and blessings. I use blue for the Holy Spirit. More and more my Bible gets blue, I've discovered. I use brown for faith, and I use red for miracles and the power of God. The advantage of highlighting you get an end product, looks nice, helps you to focus, and also it makes it much easier to find verses again because you can remember more or less where they were and what color they are. Helpful. So number one, highlighting. Number two, I recommend using different versions. Why not try a different translation? I'm on this one here is ESV, my latest one. You know, in the past I've tended to use King James or NIV or NLT. You know, there are, you can get some really good insights from the Amplified Bible, from paraphrases like the Message or, or the Passion translation, old versions like the Phillips that I use, the Living Bible. In the old days, you, used to have a, you needed to have a parallel Bible. I had one. It was about the size of a house, and it got 26 versions in it. And actually, what it did, to be fair, is it had the King James, then about the but the next best five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten alternatives all the way through it. It was absolutely massive. The good news now is you can just take out your phone and you can go on BibleGateway.com or you can look at the YouVersion Bible app and you can pull up any version you want right there and then and flip between them. Very useful modern day tool. Number three is I love to do a word study. Or a word search. Not, not the kind of ones where you ring the, all the words in the box. The one where you put a word into your, what used to be a concordance. Again, also the, the Strong's about the size of a house. Now you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your laptop. BibleGateway.com. Put in a word and it'll find all the, in that particular translation, all the times that that word appears in the Bible. I use this all the time. There's another one I use called BibleStudyTools.com. And if you go into the right Bible translation, you can find the Strong's number and you can find the, the Greek or Hebrew dictionary explanation of that word and all the other places that word appears, that Greek or Hebrew word appears in the Bible. Do you know what? You are nothing like as excited about that as I thought you would be. <laughs> I love to do that. Or, say again. Blue Letter Bible, yeah, that's another good one too. Thank you very much. Uh, you can look words up in dictionaries, it's helpful. There are Bible dictionaries like Vines, or you can use a normal dictionary like Webster's. Mine is the Concise English Dictionary. I like it. It's not the size of a house. It's concise. Number four, nearly there. Number four is read the books. 
of those who studied the book. Do I did there? Small b, capital B. Commentaries. You know, lots of commentaries out there, lots of commentary series, popular ones are Wearsby, uh, Barclay, uh, Tom Wright, N.T. Wright has done a lot of commentaries. But, you know, if you, if you go out there and look, there are lots of insightful commentaries written by contemporary authors and speakers and scholars that you may know and recognize, whether it's commentaries, whether it's books, whether it's podcasts. I don't know if you're aware, but actually if you hunt and you look in the right place on the website, um, there's actually a recommended reading list. Some of the books that I've read and that I recommend for you, you can go and find that if you can find it. It's not too hard. And there are some potential books that you might want to read in there. And the number five, last one, is memorizing. You know, most of the Bible verse that I learned, I learned in my teens and 20s when my mind was a little bit sharper, if I'm honest, than it is today. But, you know, those verses, there is no digging them out. And when I need them, I've gone in inventory of core verses to fall back on. If you're interested in doing some that, I've, I've put 10 really good starter memory verses on the back, I think, of your handout. You, you can start there. Another effective way of learning scripture is to sing it. You know, so many of the old choruses, particularly that we used to sing in church, we were dinky, but were taken straight out of scripture, pure scripture. Many of them were, of course, taken from the book of Psalms. You know, we sang part of Psalm 150 this morning. Five effective, imaginative ways that you can pour into this book so you can pour it into you so that filter becomes strong so that any blemishes in there can get repaired and you can provide that guard over your heart. Okay, wrapping up now. The Amplifier says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it flow the springs of life. Above all else, you must place a word filter over what you see and think. And if you see the world through any other filters, I kind of like picture sunglasses. You know, if you put red sunglasses, everything turns red. You tried that? If you put blue sunglasses, everything turns kind of blue. You know, and, and depending on the lenses you put on your eyes, it greatly changes the view that you see. My point is, if you are looking at the world through any of those other lenses, those distorted lenses, take them off and throw them away and make a decision today to put on your Word of God filter lenses. And the way you keep that filter tight, that guard strong, is by getting the Word so deeply in you that nothing and nobody can dig it out. So here's the good news. The good news is that if you do all of that, then the water in your well will be sweet. The issue will be pure. The wellspring will be life-giving. And that, without doubt, is the key to wholeness. And it's the key to fullness. And it's the key to the fruitfulness in Christ that we all long. Okay, so how do we respond to that? Just, just two responses today. First of all, I, I'm going to put on the screen in a minute a, a prayer of the declaration of intent about the Word of God and setting it guard on our lives. Well, we pray that together in just a second. That, that's response number one. Response number two 
quite simply is if, if your well waters are troubled, I suspect by now you know what I mean by that. If your well waters are troubled, I'd like to invite you to come over this side over here. We have a prayer ministry team that would love to pray over you. Love to pray the principles and promises of God over you. Love to minister to you grace and mercy and strength this morning. So if that's you, I'd encourage you as we sing in just a second to come up this side and they'll pray for you. Okay, you ready to pray? You ready? Anybody ready? Well, I'm going to pray. You're welcome to join me. If you would like to stand, if that's, I think it's time you stood, stretch those legs. That's it. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Thank you, Lord God, for the power and strength and wisdom to be found in your word. Your word is a lamp for my feet and the light which guides my path. Your word is God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired, and profitable to teach, correct, and train me in righteousness. Your word is alive and active, quick and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. Your word is my defense against the enemy's lies, my faith shield against his fiery darts, and my unstinting source of wisdom from above. Today, I choose to trust your word, to hold it tight, to keep it near, sink it deep. May it ever be my filter, guarding my heart, keeping my well pure and its issues sweet. Father God, please be my ultimate authority. Holy Spirit, please be my inspired teacher. And Lord Jesus, please be the living word made flesh to me now and always. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask the worship team if they